Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, uh, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, is much more than just a daily report. It really is a knowledge platform uh, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics uh, through, yes, the daily reports, but also these podcasts and some webinars and uh, hopefully live events in the future. And along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who, by the way, is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you today to our conversation on the topic of subscription services. Where will they land? <clears throat> so, Shelley, according to Women's Word Daily, uh, Arthur Zakowitz, uh, who wrote an article, stated uh, that as a result of the pandemic-induced e-commerce boom, there are a total of 225 million subscriptions in the U.S. with 61 million consumers, which is, by the way, 3.7 subscriptions per person, which is astounding. Um, and this, according to a survey by Pipe Candy, <laughs> another one of those weird words. I mean, anyway, in, in, Pipe Candy, in collaboration with Rodeo, I don't even know these people. Anyway, they stated that Birchbox, um, which was which was a cosmetic uh, box, right? Um, Birchbox really made subscriptions mainstream. And we, we have seen an endless launch of many more entering the market. And we'll obviously talk about some of those in a minute. But <clears throat> according to the survey, over $4 billion have been invested in this model by venture capitalists. Well, of course, right? Fire hosing money, yep. knowing nine out of 10 won't succeed, but hoping for the one that does that it's either Apple or Amazon, whatever. So because of this, the U.S. has over 27,000 direct-to-consumer subscription companies, specifically boxes and memberships of uh, physical goods. And according to eMarketer, uh, U.S. subscription e-commerce sales will grow by 15% year over year in 2022, totaling a whopping $33.48 billion. And <clears throat> sales growth will remain steady through 2024. But subscriptions will account for just 3.2% of total retail e-commerce sales, basically uh, flatlining from 2021 to 2024. <clears throat> Excuse me. During um, the first year of the pandemic, digital subscription buyers eclipsed 20% of all digital buyers for the first time. But after years of double digit growth, the number of subscription e commerce buyers will rise just 3.3% this year, leveling off through 2024. So, Shelley, we have, I guess, what seems to be the race to an oversaturated industry. 
Um, give us some color on all that. Yeah, I think I think as the so we know that the digital subscription subscription growth is slowing down. Um, what companies are going to now try to do is they're tr- going to try to get existing subscribers to spend more money. So when you, you don't have enough subscribers coming in, then you try to get your existing subscribers to spend more money. So Amazon does a great job of this. They have their Prime free shipping, and then they add subscribe and save, and then they add digital content. Uh, Disney Plus is doing this very well. You buy Disney Plus, you get all the movies. But if you want to buy the new movie that just came out and have it the same time it's being released in the theater, you can pay a premium for that as well. And Walmart Plus um, is offering exclusive sales events for its customers in the Walmart Plus program. So the subscription models that offer kind of this more diverse bundling for its subscribers, along with differentiated or exclusive product, will probably continue to thrive. But this subscription fatigue is a real thing. Yeah, Shelley. I, I, yeah, consumers have really already begun to have a subscription burnout, as you say. And, you know, with the loom of inflation, uh, going back to work and more commuting expenses, by the way, um, they will be looking. Uh, at which subscriptions really matter and which ones make a meaningful impact on their lives. There are so many of them out there. Uh, Birchbox, Dollar Shave Club, Ipsy, I mean, HelloFresh, Blue Apron, Stitch Fix, BarkBox, (laughs) (laughs) Fit Fun. I mean, these names drive me nuts. Amazon, of course, Costco, Walmart Plus, and on and on and on. So, um, Oh, by the way, Trunk Club was closed out by Nordstrom. So I, I'm not sure this subscription model can work in apparel. Well, I think having a subscription model that's based on a segment of the business, like apparel, <clears throat> that already has these high returns, doesn't really make a lot of sense unless you really nail that outgoing product at a very high success rate. And not to mention, apparel is very personal. So we all kind of change our likes and our dislikes. So seasonally, I think it's more difficult to kind of stay ahead of that, you know, changing customer. And of course, customers, myself included, we really don't know what we want. I remember last year I was buying a dress and I told my stylist, I do not want black and I don't want a slit in the front. Well, guess what, Robin? I brought a black dress that had a slip in the front. (laughs) So if you're using artificial intelligence, they would have shipped me the wrong dress because I didn't even know what I wanted. <laughs> Unbelievable. There you go. And, and, and according to, uh, to a Kearney article, your consulting firm, 40% of consumers think they have too many subscriptions. And of course, the pandemic really prompted a huge rise in subscriptions. Um, eMarketer shows a 41% rise in U.S. e-com subscription in 2020 compared to 2019. Incredible increase. Everything from uh, food to streaming. Also, during the the pandemic, um, Amazon Prime increased over 30%. The biggest reason is free one-day shipping. But secondly was Prime Video. Everyone's at home. 
But now people are returning to work and growth is slowing even for Amazon with um, just a 3.7% increase in users for 2022 and 2.9% in 2023 uh, is estimated. So down considerably from its increase of 16% in 2020. So Robin, I think we should break it down by category because when I look at the <clears throat> issue of subscription fatigue, mm. I think some categories are more susceptible than others. So according to McKinsey, um, there's three kind of broad types of subscriptions. You have replenishment, you have curation, mm. curation, and you have access. So replenishment subscriptions allow customers to automate the purchase of a commodity item, razors, diapers, pet food. Curation subscriptions, their kind of objective is to surprise and delight by curating new items in a highly personalized experience and categories. I'm thinking apparel, beauty, even food. And last is access. And access subscribers pay a monthly fee to obtain lower prices or member-only perks, primarily in the payroll and food categories. So when you think about this, replenishment, pet food, toiletries, grocery, meal kits, grooming, curated, Stitch Fix, Ipsy, Birchbox, Access, Apple Music, Blinkist, mm. Amazon, Costco, Nike, Peloton. Yeah. Well, looking at the list, um, immediately I, I see that curated subscription is probably riskier. That's easy to see. And when subscribers are looking at uh, discretionary spending, this category seems to be the one they can do away with. Um, you know, we already talked about the challenges with apparel and in the other uh, curated product categories. You know, it's a constant process to curate what the consumer wants. Um, if the buying behavior changes, like it will with a recession, for example, it will impact this category more abrupt, abruptly. Yeah, I mean, replenishment is high convenience, so that is probably the least risky today. Meal kits uh, subscription <laughs> services have grown faster at 17% than the overall subscription market of, as I mentioned before, 15%. Plus, <clears throat> who wants to shop for paper towels toilet paper, or dog food. I don't know. I guess access, I think, would lie in the middle, uh, being somewhat susceptible to failure. I mean, the consumer may reduce the amount of podcasts, news feeds, smartphone apps, and music, but would see the membership areas such as Amazon Prime, Costco, uh, both of those as kind of high value. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I definitely think the curated one is the one that would be hardest hit. I mean, how many times can a curated box, you know, surprise and delight? Right. Um, but let me just mention one strategy for survival, because this is super interesting. And I'll give you an example of meal kits. Normally, we don't talk about meal kits, but we're going to talk about it today. Um, I was never a big fan of meal kits. I cook a lot from scratch, but it works for millions of people. So I'm not one of those people. Anyway, HelloFresh which is the highest, largest meal kit provider in the U.S. Get this, Robin. HelloFresh grew from about 900,000 subscribers in 2016 to over 7 million by 2021. Wow, you got to be kidding. No, and it continues to grow. 
So HelloFresh will see 3.3 billion in sales for 2022. Meanwhile, Blue Apron, which most people have heard of, they lost 59% of its subscribers between 2016 and 2021. And I personally think that the pandemic actually saved them because before the pandemic in 2018 and 2019, their sales were down 24 and 32%. What, what, so, you know, why do you think that? Well, that happened. I, I don't. There's something that wor- is working really well with Hello. Maybe we should do another podcast on why meal kits are successful or why yeah. not. Why, that, he, why not? I, just anecdotally, and, and, and get back on track here. Uh, we, we know a couple who were using Blue Apron, but they found that their recipes and stuff just, just became too complex. It has to be simple to use, right? I think so. (laughs) Yeah. And I think maybe that's why they lost a lot of subscribers. So it's just interesting that both companies had about the same amount of subscribers (coughs) in 2016, but Blue Apron's going, you know, losing share and HelloFresh is gaining share. So you know what Blue Apron's doing? This is the most interesting part of the conversation. Blue Apron recently announced, as did Walmart, that they're actually going to be part of the Walmart marketplace. Uh, So the meal, this is the first meal kit provider on Walmart.com. So perhaps some of these mm. direct-to-consumer brands that have subscription models can become part of the many marketplaces that we're seeing pop up all over the place. That's, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And those marketplaces, concepts just yeah you're right they are growing all across the boards and uh i think e-marketer showed more than half exactly 54.3 percent of worldwide subscriptions uh come from two categories food and beverage and a beauty and personal care so you know the sheer number of companies really is mind-boggling how how did so many subscriptions pop into the retail landscape, I guess probably because what anyone can do it. <laughs> Honestly, Robin, it's so easy to start a D2C business online. It's easy to set up reoccurring payments and, you know, poof, you have a subscription model business. You do your own social media marketing, right? You hire a 3PL yeah. for distribution and, and you're in business. So, but I really believe Shopify was the game changer that, you know, it basically sets up everything you need to run an e-com business. And Shopify has over 2.1 million daily active users with wow. over 1 million businesses contributing. Get this number. So Shopify contributes over $400 billion to the global economy. That's a 45% wow. increase from 2020. Unbelievable. Yeah, Shelly. You know, and Shopify is the operative word here. But, but now consumers are beginning to realize they, that they have too many subscriptions, uh, too many passwords, and they're, they're feeling they're spending too much money on subscriptions. Well, Robin, you know you have too many subscriptions when customers have apps that are helping them manage their subscriptions, like Truebill, <laughs> Mint, or Track My Subs. So Unbelievable. A colleague that I recently did a broadcast with, Katie Thompson, 
uh, Thomas rather, she's a lead at Kearney Institute, also pointed out in the UK that they're actually going to start evaluating regulations around being more transparent with subscriptions, particularly monthly and auto renews as a form of consumer protection. You know, maybe the same should happen in the U.S. Well, you know, in the future of subscription, I think, to succeed, it must include exclusive product with access to something that is relevant and provide the convenience factor. I think that's going to be the uh, definition of success. Yeah. And Robin, customers have to be able to easily change the delivery cadence or skip a delivery. So I, I have a wine subscription from a company called Bright Sellers, and they're so great. So I went on a wine trip to Paso's Robos last month with some friends. I knew I'd be buying wine, so I wanted to stop my subscription. So I called them up and they just made it so easy to stop my subscription for several months and then restart it back up again. So, you know, I'm very loyal to them. And this type yeah. of flexibility actually allows for deeper loyalty and it, it raises the future value of average orders. So customer acquisition is expensive today. So retaining the one you have is a better plan if you allow flexibility into the subscription. It just fuels this loyal following. Yeah, you know, yeah, Shelly, your last statement really kind of says it all. Uh, replenishment uh, for your wine and convenience, but the flexibility to control the cadence. And that uh, has your loyalty, which, as you said, in so many words, the customers you have, if treated as right sellers treats you, you ultimately will spend more and you the company be more profitable for them, which uh, leads to my last point, which like everything else in this kind of initial phase of everything digital, first, there is one or a few sub subscription models coming up first, emerging quickly. And then whammo, all of a sudden, there's a gazillion of them. And now we're in the calling out phase, right? So anyway, good stuff, Shelley. And uh, any closing comments? My only closing comment is, Robin, I think I have too many subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, you can find more of our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. <clears throat> Please look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. Follow us on social media, link in with us, and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I want to thank everybody again. And as I mentioned every week, uh, if any of you have topics that you would like Shelly and I to cover, please send me an email at robin at therobinreport.com. And thanks again. <laughs> <laughs>